If you please remain standing as Dan comes to read our scripture for us. It comes out of the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. It's found in your pew Bible there on page 202, if you would like to follow along. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socha in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damanim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and his Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who is from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life, that we might be people of life. And now, God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O God, our Redeemer, through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm not a bug guy. But the Goliath beetle <laughs> can grow up to eight inches long and two inches wide. This giant beetle is called the Goliath beetle. This is the, this is the Goliath frog. <laughs> up to 11 inches from snout to vent, and it weighs in at over seven pounds. Six Flags over Georgia, there is a, there's a relatively new thrill ride there at Six Flags over Georgia. It is the world's fastest wooden roller coaster and the, and the tallest and steepest drop of any roller coaster, plunging riders down 180 feet and, and, and rocketing through twists and turns at 72 miles per hour. The name of this new roller coaster you guessed it, the Goliath. The tallest horse in the world. 19.1 hands tall. That's six and a half foot tall. Its name, you guessed it, Goliath. Or how about, how about a spider that will eat birds and have a, have a, have a span of its legs up to 11 inches, uh, 11 inches wide again the Goliath spider. Or then the largest member of the tigerfish clan can be five and a half feet long and weigh over 150 pounds. Locals in the Congo River say that it is the only fish that does not fear the crocodile. In fact, this fish will actually eat the crocodile. And you've guessed the name. You've guessed the name. It is the Goliath tiger. Goliath simply means big in today's time, doesn't it? Uh, this story is one, of, uh, is one that almost everyone knows, at least, a, at least a little bit. 
quoted in stories and headlines of newspapers and in novels and in pop culture. It's a David and Goliath story, we say. It means there is a small entity taking on a, taking on a giant entity, a, a nobody taking on a corporation, a, an outlier taking on the establishment. It is a David and Goliath story. You may, you may think that the story of David and Goliath is just an epic story in the Bible and uh, it, it's, 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 it's made for headlines of newspapers, but we know, we know better than that, don't we? We know that it's our story. We know that it's, it's, it's our story. For you and me, it, it, hits closer, it, gets close, it hits closer to home. Your Goliath may come in the, in the middle of the night. It may come when you least expect it. It may come suddenly with no warning, but Goliath can be found in many locations, lurking on the Internet, hiding in a bottle, sitting in a cubicle next to you, sleeping in the bed next to you. But there is one thing you can be sure of about our Goliaths. It's not if they will come, it is when they will come. Because Goliath will always, always come into our lives. Again, it's not a matter of if we will have a Goliath in our life. It is a matter of when that Goliath will come. Because we will all we will all have a Goliath in our life. The, 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 the giant that you face, it will come in a hospital room or it will come in a doctor's clinic or, or, in, a, or in a lawyer's office. It, it, it will come in a phone call from one of your children. It will come at, it will come at work or it will, it will come from the lips of your spouse. It will come in bills that we can't pay and grades or scores that we, that we simply can't make. It may come in a drink that we can't resist or a, or a past that we, that we can't escape. A, a future, a future that we simply can't face. The Goliaths that you and I face will always be here. It's bad news for us. <laughs> there is always a giant lurking around the corner for each and every one of us. No doubt, no doubt about it. David is the most mentioned character in all of the Bible. David is lifted up uh, from, from the moment he was born, even until today's time, I would, I would suggest, I would suggest outside of Jesus, it's David. He's number two among, uh, um, among Christians, probably. In the New Testament, David is quoted more than anyone else in the Old Testament. David is looked at more than anyone else in the Old Testament as a person who, is, who has tremendous faith. Now, I mean, we know the rest of David's story. We know the rest of the story, his moral failings, his, uh, his, his great conquests, but, but eventually his moral failings, but also his repentant heart and, and the place that he had in God's heart. And how special a, a, a ruler, special a ruler he was. So we know the we know the rest of the story. But here in in this section of our of the of the Old Testament account, by the way, it's only around a hundred years after Samson had been judged. I mean, think about that. So remember, again, last week we talked about Samson and, and how he had judged, uh, he was sitting as judge over, over the Israelites, and, and he, he, and he had that, that, last, 
that last moment of, of great faith as he, as he tore down that temple and he killed 3,000 Philistines, you would think that that would have been enough to do in the Philistines, but it wasn't. The Philistines continued to, uh, to, to, uh, to, attack, to attack the Hebrew people and, uh, until King Saul was on the throne, the first king of the Hebrew people. God had warned them, by the way, don't, you don't, when you get into the promised land, don't take, don't take a king among yourselves. I will be your ruler, God tells them. But they continued to clamor. They continued to ask for a king. And finally, it, see, it appears as though finally God relented and gave in to their request and gave them a king. And, and King Saul, for a time, was a, was a good and, and godly king. He brought the people together. He brought the people to true and proper worship, but it was very quickly that, that, king, that King Saul replaced the Lord upon the throne. And he began to, he began to do things that were, that were not intended for the king to do. He began to make sacrifices like, like the priests were supposed to make sacrifices. No, Saul took that place, setting him up that, that he not only was king in a, in a political kind of way, but he was also king spiritually as well, and God turned his back upon him. And the Philistines began to attack the, the Hebrew people time and time and time again. And there was a young boy by the name of David. He was the eighth of his father's, uh, uh, of his father's children, and he was a shepherd watching over the sheep. His, uh, his, his older brothers had all gone out uh, to the valley to, to begin to engage in battle with the Philistines, and their father was wondering how his other sons were doing. And he sent them a, he, he, he wanted to send a care package to him, like we often do with troops. And so he sent his youngest son, David, to go out to the front lines to see how his older brothers were doing and to, and to bring them a, a special gift. And so that's what David did. And so he got there and he saw that, he saw that the, the Philistines were set up on one side of the valley and, uh, and, and the Hebrew people were set up on the other side of the valley. Now, there's been lots of questions over the years about why in the world didn't, I mean, uh, I mean, couldn't, couldn't they have done something different? Why did they, I mean, didn't someone have chariots? Didn't someone have, uh, you know, bows and arrows? Something to be able to, to, to handle this stalemate. Well, in, in ancient armies, there really were three kinds of, of warriors. One was, was the cavalry. And the cavalry was armed with, uh, they were armed warriors, typically on horsebacks or on chariots. Uh, they weren't really around uh, the, the, the land of Canaan or the promised land. It was, it was full of hills. And so they would not have been able to, to, to ride chariots. And, 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 and the Hebrew people, uh, they didn't have the wealth to be able to purchase all of the horses. And the Philistines were also a, a somewhat of a nomadic people. They didn't have horses either. And so there wasn't a cavalry. And there were the infantry. They were the foot soldiers with, with armor and, sh and swords and shields. And, and that was primarily what, uh, what the Hebrew people were made up of. They were, they were made up of the, of the uh, infantrymen. And, and so that's what most of the Hebrew and the Philistines were. Uh, but then there were also, the, they called them the projectile warriors. They were slingers of rocks and spears and javelins and bows and arrows. Um, they're, the Hebrew people, they didn't have many shields and very few spears. They had, they had, they had a whole bunch of rocks, and they would just simply chunk rocks at their, at their enemy. 
And so here came this giant, this giant of a man. The scripture says that he was over nine feet tall. If, I, I mean, that's, that's uh, a, a full two foot taller than uh, whoever, Nerland's Noel or, or whatever Thunder player you want to you pick. He was two feet taller than any, any Thunder player there has been. A giant of a man. Not just a big guy, but imagine, uh, imagine um, Stephen Adams, two foot tall. Just imagine that. And then you get a pretty good idea of what kind of guy Goliath was. And he would come out, he would come out and begin to mock the Hebrew people every day. He would begin to mock them. In fact, he began to become so bold, he would go out into no man's land, as it might have, as it probably would have been called. No man's land would have been close enough for a rock maybe to pelt him. He wasn't afraid of any small rocks at all. He came into the middle of the, of the valley and began to challenge them. If any of you boys over there, if you want to come fight me, come fight me. He was incredibly confident. He was a giant, after all, undefeatable, after all. Saul and his soldiers were frightened, frightened to death. <laughs> they were dismayed and, and terrified. They were, they were playing a, a little bit of, a, a of hide-and-seek with, uh, with Goliath, always, I'm sure, afraid that he was going to not only come into the middle of the valley, but he was even going to come into their camp. They were terrified to death, and so here came David, listening in on on the battle plans and hearing that God's people were deathly afraid of this, as he calls them, uh, this uncircumcised Philistine. Why in the world, David wondered, would God's people be fearful of this man who is not a man of God, but he was just simply a giant of a man? Why would God's people be fearful of someone like that? So he decided, David decided that he was, he was going to go out on, on the battlefield. You can imagine, the, you can imagine the, the soldier's response, even Saul's response. Saul said, here, take my armor, <laughs> at, at least give yourself a, a fighting chance. And, and this young boy, David, tried to put on Saul's armor and he couldn't even hardly move. Couldn't even hardly move, he took off the armor. He took off the armor, and, and again, you know the rest of the story. He too goes out into no man's land as, as the great mighty Goliath is hurling insults at him. He takes one of those smooth stones, puts it in his slingshot, lets it go, and it hits, it hits one of the very few spots in all, in all that as, as Goliath was armored from, uh, from head to toe, it hits one of the very few spots that didn't have any armor in it, right in the middle of the forehead, and Goliath was dead. Now, I've watched the VeggieTale version of this story. <laughs> and the VeggieTale, the VeggieTales veggie uh, teaches us that even little guys can do big things too. I like that lesson. And, and, and we, want, we want that to be true, don't we? Even little guys can, can do big things too. Uh, meaning, meaning that we, oh, we, well, we cheer for the, for the small market teams uh, uh, against the large market teams and professional sports. We, we cheer for the Cinderella story in the NCAA basketball tournament. We cheer for the seemingly weak little guy who turns into a superhero in our favorite movies. 
We want the underdog to win. We want the little guy to win over the big guy, and we can relate that to our own, to our own giants in our own, in our own lives, don't we? I mean, if we can just muster, if we can just muster enough strength and, and courage, then, then we can face the giant in our, in our lives. But I think it's, I think it may even be a little, dare I say, even deeper than that. It's more than just mustering enough courage. No, I, I think there is something far deeper than that. In verses 45 through 47, David David says this. I, I think it teaches us something. David said, the battle, the battle is the Lord's. It's not that we can just simply muster enough courage. No, instead, the battle is the Lord's. And if it is the Lord's battle, then we must trust that the battle is the Lord's and trust that the Lord is with us and fight in the battle as if we were fighting for the Lord. Here's, here's I think, the, 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 the ultimate lesson in this whole story. That David wasn't, by the way, so, so notice here, David wasn't the only Israelite skilled with a slingshot, but he was the only one skilled with a slingshot willing to trust God. Did you get that? David wasn't the only Israelite skilled with a slingshot. I'm guessing every one of those men were skilled with a slingshot. Every single one of them. But he was the one that was willing to trust the Lord. Here's where the rubber hits the road in our lives. Everyone has a Goliath in our lives. Everyone knows how to deal with a, a death of a loved one, with a loss of a job, or a doctor's report. We all kind of, I mean, even people who have no faith, at some level, we can all deal with those things. You know what the difference is between those with no faith and those with faith? is that when we go into those battles, we recognize this is not our battle. This is not our this is, this is not something that we have to do alone. No, this is the very Lord's battle. And when we, when, we, when we recognize that, we will face it with faith. We'll face it with faith. Because, because we know, we know that, that Friday is not the last day. We know that Good Friday is not the last day. Sunday's a coming. Somebody, yeah, well, I don't Hear this again, because I want to say it again, and I hope and pray that you too will say, not maybe even out loud, amen. Friday is not the last day. The crucifixion is not the last day. The, the, the darkest day is never the last day, because Sunday morning is a coming. Resurrection is coming. Victory is coming to God's people. When we know that it is the Lord's battle, victory is coming to the Lord's people. When we know, when we know that this is God's battle and the, and, and the Goliath that is standing in front of us, he is absolutely nothing compared to the might of the Lord. So, so that word from the doctor, And that temptation in that bottle, and, and, that, and, and, that, and that word from a spouse 
or that sin or that tragedy or that loss or, or that health concern. They are absolutely nothing. Because our Lord is great. And it's the Lord's battle. We can never muster enough courage. I've never been a tremendously courageous person. I've never been able to muster a whole lot of courage. But the Lord has taught me to just simply trust in Him. That's what it's about. Simply trusting in Him. Knowing that the Lord is with us. Knowing that this is ultimately God's battle, not ours. Just simply give it away to God. Knowing that He's there to fight it for us. Would you bow with me? Close your eyes, if you would, there, just for a few moments. I don't know what you're going through. I suspect, though, that each one of us who are here today, we all have a battle. We're all experiencing some sort of Goliath in our lives, probably even right now. Whether it's some ongoing health concerns, whether it's simply aging, it may be a wayward child. It may be being out on our own for the very first time. It may be looking for that right job. It may indeed be a doctor's diagnosis. Whatever the case may be, I want you to picture that Goliath in your life. I don't think God is calling us to muster up more internal fortitude or courage. But instead, the Lord is calling us to trust him even with those things that frighten us, those things that fill us with despair. God is calling us to trust him even with our enemies, even with the Goliaths in our lives. So right now, I just, just want you to name that Goliath and tell the Lord that, that this is his battle. Tell the Lord that, that, you, that, that you're giving him this Goliath to take care of. Oh, Lord, we're no longer fearful. We're no longer huddled in despair. But instead, oh, Lord, we're giving you our fears, our despair, our Goliaths. Come and fight that battle for us, Lord. We've seen you do it so many times in our lives. Oh, God, come and come and do it again. Come. Fight our battles for us. This is your battle. Come and do it. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.